0: The Old Testament reading for this 24th Sunday after Pentecost comes from the prophet Amos, chapter 5, starting with verse 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him is not the day of the lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it i hate i despise your feasts and i take no delight in your solemn assemblies even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings i will not accept them and the peace offerings of your fattened animals i will not look upon them take away from me the noise of your songs To the melody of your harps I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, starting with verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep
1: according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps they took no oil with them but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You will be happy to know that uh, scientists have finally pretty much nailed down the time that the world will end. Astronomy.com has listed several factors uh, that could lead to the end of the world, including a collision with some large asteroid or comet, a massive radiation or gamma ray burst from some nearby supernova, a black hole that might pass near enough to suck our solar system into its blackness, or even an increase in our own sun's radiation that might boil away the oceans in a few hundred million years. Bottom line, astronomy.com puts the end of our world at somewhere around 1 billion years from now. So, it's safe to say that if you're uh, booking a cruise to Jamaica for next year, you're you're good. Uh, Go ahead and get that education, make those plans for retirement because uh, looks like we'll be around for a while yet. Although, God may have something to say about that. Several thousand years ago, the inhabitants of a certain city decided that they should make a name for themselves. They came together and they began building a tower that would reach up into the heavens, a project that would bind them together as a people so that they would not be dispersed throughout the earth. But they left God out of their plans and God had something to say about that. Pharaoh decided that he had acted a little hastily out of fear in letting the Israelites uh, go from Egypt and so he gathered his chariots and he set out with his army to recapture Israel and bring them back to Egypt and enslave them once more but God had something to say about that. 2,000 years ago the religious leaders in Israel decided that they should put to death one man who claimed to be the son of God. They wanted to stop his voice, they wanted to stop his influence, eliminate him. They killed him, they sealed his tomb and they set a guard so that that body would stay there in the tomb and his followers would disband. But God had something to say about that. There have been many great thinkers, philosophers, even scientists in our own day who have made statements, even careers, out of denying the existence of God. Richard Dawkins, maybe you know that name, he's a a well-known British evolutionary biologist and he authored a book titled The God Delusion. He's one voice among many who say that there is nothing supernatural, no supernatural being, no God acting in our lives or acting in the world that everything is going to just continue as it has, that astronomy.com has it right, and the world will go on until some cataclysmic event takes us out. But God has something to say about that. And frankly, if we're going to listen to someone in regards to the existence of the supernatural, in regards to the existence of God, the future of our world, I think we are safer and smarter to listen to the words of the one who proved to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead on the third day. And what does he have to say about the end of the world? What does God have to say to us today about the future, about what's coming? Well, as we read, he says the world will end. And that the same Son of God who rose from the dead and ascended into heaven is going to come back. And he says there's going to be judgment. Judgment of all flesh and that we should be ready for that day. In the scriptures that we read today all three of them are about the end of the world. They're about the day of judgment and what it means for us. The the prophet Amos writing about 3,000 years ago, his words are true for us today too. Maybe some of that uh, resonated with you this morning. He warns God's people against their sin, against their trust in idols and in other gods. Trusting those things instead of putting their trust, their hope in the true and only God the people mingled their own religious practices with the pagan religious practices around them and God says through his prophet that he's not going to accept their sacrifices that when they sing their praises to him it's just like empty noise to him he's not even going to listen because they've turned away from almighty God People call for God to come to them to bring on the day of the Lord but God says it's not going to be what they expect because they're expecting it on their own terms they've decided what's good and right and true and it's not what God says is good and right and true The people are living for themselves, creating their own religion, their own understanding of God and what God wants for them. His coming, they think, would be a day of light. But God has something to say about that. The day of the Lord, he says, will be a day of judgment. A day when Syria is going to come and take them out of their land and take them to captivity judgment for their unbelief and their idolatry. God has news for them. It'll be a day of darkness and not a day of light. It's a sobering reading uh, and it's one that's very applicable to us in our own day. What do the voices in our day say about religion or about the existence of God? How many voices like Richard Dawkins are out there confidently telling us that there is no God, that his word is not to be believed, not to be trusted, that the only things good and right and true are, well, whatever we decide are good and right and true. They say that the cataclysmic event that will end the world is not going to be the return of the Son of God in glory that's just myth that's just legend you can't trust that. But of course Jesus has something to say about that. And In our gospel reading it's Holy Week Jesus has come to Jerusalem for the final time. His crucifixion, his resurrection are just days away and he speaks about the end times he tells his disciples a parable Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I want to think first that this um, parable is told to the disciples. It's told to his believers, to his followers. And so it's spoken to you and to me today just as well. To them, sitting outside of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, that's where this was, was told to them, 2,000 years ago and to us today Jesus has a warning watch for you don't know the hour and this parable is about a wedding right it's about a bridegroom coming to meet the bride they're going to go into the wedding feast it's all joy and laughter right except for one or two phrases that are in there right right near the end the door was shut. Now I would bet that most of you, like me, have experienced uh, being locked out more often than I care to to say. Close that front door! Don't have my keys. <laughs> How am I going to get in? You're shutting the car door, and before it hits, you're thinking, wait a minute. And then it shuts, and your keys are still in the ignition. And you're thinking, now what do I do? And maybe you can get on your phone. Thank God for our cell phones, right? Get on our phone and call and say, Can you come? Can you bring me an extra key? Do you have a key with you? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe you're nowhere where they can get to you. Maybe in the end, you have to even call a locksmith or maybe roadside assistance or something. Somebody to come and get you in. Somehow, finally, you get back in. But the door that Jesus is talking about, this eternal door, it shuts and it stays shut. Nothing is going to open it once again. This is the door to the heavenly banquet into eternal life with God in heaven. The door to this celebration that we're going to be celebrating. This wedding, if you will, of Jesus and his bride, the church. And there's another phrase that we want to pay attention to also. I do not know you. You see when Jesus comes back it is going to be for judgment. The door is going to shut. Jesus knows some, doesn't know others. And we see clearly from this parable that contrary to what many people believe not everyone is getting into that banquet hall. But some do. Some are invited in. And who are they? Who are they in the parable? Why do they get in? In the parable, it's those who have oil. Now, oil is a pretty valuable commodity in our day and age, right? Texans and Saudi Arabians and Jed Clampett are all glad to sit on thousands of barrels of oil. But that, of course, is not the oil that Jesus is talking about in his parable. The oil is for their lamps. The oil represents faith. Faith in Jesus Christ as our only Savior from sin. The prophet Amos, he preaches to the people, he's urging them to turn from their sin, to return to the true worship of the only God. Only in God is there salvation and eternal life. And Jesus speaks in his day as a prophet and urges the same thing. Turn from your sin. Accept the Son of God. Accept the Savior. Accept him as the atoning sacrifice. As the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The only difference between those in the parable who enter the feast who are known by the bridegroom, and those who are left outside when the door is shut, those who are not known by the bridegroom, the only difference is whether they have oil for their lamp. You can't buy that kind of oil. You can't pump it from the ground. There are no dealers that sell it, not at midnight, not in the daylight. That oil is a gift from God. It is the faith created in our hearts by the Holy Spirit through the, through the living and active Word of God. Do, do you believe that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who was born as a man to take your sins to the cross? Do you believe that he bled and died for you? that he rose from the dead on the third day, that his blood atones for your sins, and that makes you right with God, then your lamp is burning brightly, and you have a flask of oil as you await the return of your Lord. You have that active and living faith that clings to Jesus and to his saving work for you. When the bridegroom comes, when Jesus returns, he will say to you on that day, enter into the feast. Come into eternal life because I know you. You are one of mine. Jesus tells a story, tells a parable about the last day. Paul, in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, he tells a little detail about what will actually be. Paul is encouraging the church, encouraging them to wait in faith for that last day. Jesus had said, I am coming soon, but the bridegroom delayed. As he had not come back yet, some of the believers died there in Thessalonica, some of the church The question arose as to what their fate would be. Will they be in heaven? How will they enter the wedding feast? And Paul assures the Christians that the saints who have gone before will enter the feast. And I love the passage, so I'm going to read it again. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Paul shares these words with the church and says, share them with one another. Encourage one another with these words. And this... (laughs) This that Paul describes, this is going to be a cataclysmic event. The return of the Son of God to judge the world. But you and I, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't need to fear this cataclysmic event. We don't need to fear the coming of Jesus at the end of time. Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Because Jesus has already been judged in our place. Our sins have been judged in His body already. You and I, we get to skip the judgment. It's already happened for us. We have the oil of faith. The door is open to us. And we look forward not in fear, but in confident faith toward that final day when Jesus will return. And he will look at you and look at me and say, I know you. And we will enter into that wedding banquet. And so we will always be with the Lord. And until that day comes, we watch, and we pray, and we praise, and we proclaim, and we rest in his word in confident faith. In the name of Jesus, amen.